Support for Charlotte Reader's Podcast is provided by Park Road Books, the oldest and only independent bookstore in Charlotte, conveniently located in Park Road Shopping Center. And by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence. For more information about these book-minded sponsors who help authors give voice to their written words, please visit them online at parkroadbooks.com and cmlibrary.org or drop by the bookstore or any library branch. I literally felt my heart leap in my body. I just I, I thought, you could do this? You could read people writing, and you could write together, and then you could read it, and then you could make something out of it. I just, it just, I've never wanted anything more than than that in that moment when I felt that, and and I get immense satisfaction out of out of supporting writers. You can listen to Charlotte Readers Podcast episodes for free at charlottereaderspodcast.com or at Charlotte Mecklenburg Library's digital branch website. And you can subscribe and listen for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Host Landis Wade is committed to making this podcast worth your time. He's a recovering trial lawyer, award-winning author, book and dog lover, whose laid-back style encourages authors to read and talk about their published and emerging works. These are the stories that touch the emotions, followed by conversations that offer depth and insight into the readings and writing lives of the authors. Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to the written words. This is the show where we meet Charlotte area authors and those who visit Queen City, and we hear them read their work. I'm your host, Landis Wade, and before we go any further, I want to thank you for taking some of your valuable time to listen to this podcast. I know there are a lot of things you could be doing right now, and the fact that you've chosen to spend this time with us is an honor and a privilege. We're between Season 3 and Season 4 with a bonus episode that should be inspirational, instructive, and entertaining. In today's episode, we meet author and writing coach Maureen Ryan Griffin, who reads poetry from her collection, 10,000 Cicadas Can't Be Wrong, and guides us through her writing book, Spinning Words into Gold, a hands-on guide to the craft of writing. Among other topics, Maureen explores the why, when, and where of writing, and discusses some of the secrets to good writing. We start the show with Maureen reading her poem, Why You Can Go Back to a Story You Abandoned Years Ago, and finally finish it. Why you can go back to a story you abandoned years ago and finally finish it. Because a field that's been fallow yields a better crop. Because seeds have germination periods. Because some cicadas need 17 years. Because we need darkness to see the light and so do our stories. Because we had some living to do first to become who we needed to be to write our story because we grow into the stories that are ours to tell. Because the thing we need to include to make our story what it needs to be hadn't happened yet because we needed to practice. 
because our stories are patient, our stories are kind. Our stories keep no record of wrongs, nor count the number of times we have abandoned them, because our stories seek only to serve us and the people who need them. Because some births are harder and more painful than others. Because labor is called labor for a reason. Because we say yes to a labor of love, to birthing a story when we are ready and not before. Because we can come to see that a story is often too polite to say, ready or not, here I come, but will come if you call that it is time for supper because a story loves to be supped. Maureen Ryan Griffin has taught the art and craft of writing for 25 years through a wide variety of venues, including Queen's University, the Central Piedmont Community College in Charlotte, the John Campbell Folk School in the Appalachian Mountains, and Chautauqua Institution in New York. She's an award-winning poetry and nonfiction writer who's published in such publications as Calix, Chelsea, Cincinnati Poetry Review, and the Texas Review. She's the author of Spinning Words into Gold, a hands-on guide to the craft of writing, the Tag I'm It Daily Practice, a three-month journey of thanksgiving, acknowledgement, gratitude, and intention, how Do I Say Goodbye, and three poetry books. A poem from her latest collection, 10,000 Cicadas Can't Be Wrong, was featured on the Writer's Almanac. Maureen was the recipient of CPCC's 2018 Irene Blair Honeycutt Legacy Award, honoring a community member who has contributed outstanding service in support of local and regional writers and offers individual coaching as well as retreats, workshops, and classes through her business, Wordplay. Maureen, welcome to the show. Thank you. It is such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm psyched today that we're going to be talking about uh, writing. But uh, before we before we get to that, um, 10,000 cicadas can't be wrong. You mentioned something in the poem about uh, some cicadas uh, come around every 17 years. I went to a deep dive on this thing when I saw this. Cicadas <laughs> come like every 13 and 17 years, right? Yeah, well, they have every kind of cicada has its own life cycle yeah. so but, but we hear them every year i mean well but but there are there are some that are annual it depends on the kind of cicada yeah, yeah you and, said they're different broods and so they come at different times yes and, yeah. yes um th- this poem actually evolved from a wonderful writing exercise and the cicadas uh came into the poem without my thinking about them ahead of time they just showed up so yeah, you kind of talk about the in the introduction of the book about how this idea came to you kind of percolated and then you found your voice with it. And then this this poem, though, the title, interestingly enough, why you can go back to a story you abandoned years ago and finally finish it. It's like it's never too late to finish what you started. Is that the idea? Yeah, and yeah. and also never too late to, to start writing. I, I actually wrote this poem in one of my classes. I'd given some kind of prompt, and there was a woman who'd come – to this class and I hadn't seen her for a long time and she'd been working on a story and had abandoned it. So I wrote it as an encouragement to her and then I realized it's really an encouragement to many writers, including me. I've actually very recently returned to a, a, a writing project I abandoned for a long time. So yeah. Mm. So also never too late in life to start writing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> You've got a graphic of the life cycle of a cicada in the front of this book. <laughs> what, what was that all about? <laughs> you, you really got obsessed with cicadas, right? I, I did. They, they started showing up everywhere. And I 
don't want to miss the opportunity to be singing. That's really mm. what it means to me. Make your joyful noise, which really to me is is what writing is. It's an opportunity to speak our truths, to to tell our stories, to learn and to grow, to to preserve the things we love. So we're featuring today on the show your book, Bending Words into Gold, a hands-on guide to the craft of writing. You've got a very helpful and detailed index in the front. Uh, you have stories, essays, and poems sprinkled throughout the book as examples. What was the, the idea behind that? Well, when I was uh, in elementary school, I, I my favorite book was my reader. And I don't know if you remember readers mm-hmm. or if you had a reader, but it was this uh, this whole collection of stories and poems that, that we read and then talked about and did work. And I I really wanted a book that was a community and chorus of writers. I didn't want this book to be me talking about writing without having a lot of other writers' experiences in here, without having work of other writers in here. So I think of it as kind of a one-room schoolhouse in a way, Mm -hmm. which is how I I teach many of my classes, where you Mm -hmm. have multi-genres and multi-levels of experience, but we're all at the same process and we can all teach each other and we can all learn from one another. Mm-hmm. So that was important to me. So we're going to go through this. This is a very comprehensive book. Uh, if you're if you're out there and you've been writing for a while or you're just thinking about you know, getting into the writing, uh, it, it's a very good resource and we can't cover it all. So we're going to cover you know, some, some important parts of it here. And we're going to start with one of the things that you thought was important to start with. So let's start with a little reading you've got there uh, in your chapter about who. I'd never even heard of a fire balloon before I read Zen in the Art of Writing and came across this beautiful passage. And yet, because of Ray Bradbury's words, I not only know what a fire balloon is, I see one now, lit by a boy and his grandfather, still drifting and burning in an Illinois sky. This is the power writers have. Who are we, we writers? As unique as each of us is, there is something we have in common, something special we share. Out of all the people in any given moment who thought the same things and didn't say them, we are each that one who finally has to say. We put our yearnings and our love into a letter, an essay, a story, a poem. As writers, we transcend time and space because we say it is so. Our words preserve and create worlds. This book is organized around the six basic questions every investigative reporter is taught to ask. A friend I talked with liked this idea, but he asked, shouldn't you start with why? No, I told him, writing always starts with who. There are many things I'm not sure of in this world. This is not one of them. Think about it. Writing isn't always about a who though it most often is, but there is always a who, the writer, who somewhere at some time spun the words we are reading onto a page. Even that infamous anonymous had a heart and lungs, a personality, desires and dislikes and obsessions, a family of some sort, a community and a country. You do too. All these things and more make you who you are and are a part of what you have to give as a writer. So, Maureen, in this reading here, um, use the words yearnings and love. 
yearnings and love, whether it gets turned into a letter or an essay, a story or a poem. Yeah, well, and maybe maybe passion. I, you know, I, I think probably any strong emotion can drive us to writing. It doesn't have to be love. Mm. I, I did a lot of writing when I was really angry, and that mm. was great fuel. I think we need some kind of emotion. We have to care because it, it takes something, as I know you know, and mm-hmm. I think most of the people listening to this know that if you're not passionate in some way, uh, you're not going to have that, that energy you need to, to get it done, to get it finished. So um, let's talk about the beginning writer or the writer who lacks confidence. You've got uh, a very short paragraph on page uh, 13 of the book, uh, which you're going to read, and then that'll springboard us into the next conversation. Instead of focusing on your talent or lack thereof, ask questions such as, how can I become a better writer? And what's possible for me if I throw my whole heart into my writing? What juicy, fascinating person, place, or thing can I write about? What can I write that will touch or entertain or inspire someone else? Your chances for happiness and success will multiply. So this is all about asking a better question, asking a more empowering, inspiring question that actually leads you forward. Mm. So you, you teach classes, you have writers in your classes, and do you ever get the question, am I any good? Can I, oh, can I the, all the time. I mean, that's why <laughs> I, that's exactly why I wrote this section. My favorite question to ask as a writer is, how good can I get? Mm. I don't know the answer to that question, but boy, do I love you know, working my way into seeing where that leads me. How good can I get if I just keep at this? And it's uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, roll up your sleeves and get to it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and forget yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons that we love to write is because we go to this magical place where we do forget ourselves. We... I, I know you must have had the experience of these words just they seem to come through us sometimes rather than our coming up with them and I, so many writers I've talked to we love that experience and if you're worrying about yourself and how good you are you're, you're not going to find that that magical sweet spot it's it's about focusing on the words you're writing or focusing on the person or people you're writing it for either one of those places will will get you somewhere move you forward mm-hmm. but focusing on yourself there's just oh it just it spits up every worst fear you have about yourself really i think having listened to what you just said there maybe don't get caught up in you know whether you're any good or not because even the good ones still have to sit down focus on the mechanics and get it done right yeah, exactly exactly yeah. we all start with a blank page let's focus on why for just a minute so I think the most important thing is is to dis- we have to discover our own why for ourselves what we get out of it and just like I started the who chapter of the book with Ray Bradbury I started the why chapter with Leo Tolstoy and I have a long thing I'm going to read you one sentence this is Leo Tolstoy if I were to be told that I should that what I should write would be read in 20 years' time by those who are now children, and that they would laugh and cry over it and love life, I would devote all my own life and all my energies to it. Mm. Which, you know, you pointed out my, my language of the, the love right. that, that comes through. That, that's important to me. So this is a very noble thing. But I loved learning that 
crime novelist Sue Grafton who has this whole series of books starting A is for Alibi and I heard somewhere that she'd had a, a very acrimonious divorce and she would lay awake at night fantasizing about how she could poison her ex-husband and and, okay. and those fantasies uh-huh. turned into her book so there, there was yeah. this you know whatever you'd call that it was a very powerful why of, of getting those emotions out so so I think we all find our own and I, I love talking to people about that yeah you, um, t- you talk yeah. about on page uh, let's say 40 here what writing can provide and and you get uh, adventure direction communication gratitude healing and immortality that's that's there you go yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somebody can read it long after you're dead yeah. exactly yeah. exactly uh, you did talk about memories preserved um, which gets into the memoir yeah oh absolutely writing. yeah um, is that kind of what writing gives back uh, you know this process of discovery this healing this direction in your life, perhaps fulfillment, fun, yeah, yeah. Uh, joy. You got joy, love, in- influence, inspiration. Uh, now, success. There, you snuck that word in there. You know. Oh, did that feel sneaky? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> so writers like to be successful too, right? Yeah. Oh, of course. Well, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, however yeah. they define success. Well, that's and, true. You There's know. different ways to define it. Right. right. And I, I think for you know, I, I think for some people, their success is is getting their story down and for some people their success is being a New York Times bestseller um, mm-hmm. and or writing a New York Times bestseller so I, I think again it, it all comes down to what really getting in touch with what we personally want for ourselves what matters to us and I, th- I think we do write for different reasons for me it, it has always been uh, about connection and most of the things I've written, either either I wrote for fun because I just I call my business wordplay because I just really love just stringing words around and seeing what they say to each other, what they say to me, what I want to say to them. Uh, but but also because somebody wants something, and I think if I write it, it I, I'm I'm giving them that I, the the grief ritual I have that you mentioned. Um, how do I say goodbye? And I have a Christian one, praying you goodbye came directly because somebody lost a father after I'd lost my mother and created a, a ritual to, to say goodbye to her and move through the different spaces of that. And she said, will you please write it down? And then, will you please turn this into a book? And I had no intention of writing it, but I did it for her. Hmm. So uh, that's me, though. And I think everyone has their own their own um, gifts that writing gives them. Yeah, so we, we you know, a lot of listeners here um, may not be writers. They love books. They love listening to good stories and good poetry. Um, and yet, a lot of what you talk about in your book uh, is for people that aren't necessarily working toward getting something published. Uh, it might be, as you mentioned in this chapter, a gratitude journal. Yes. It might be, you know, just preserving memories for their own children. Uh, yes. Uh, it might be scratching something out on a daily basis that uh, helps them get the day started, you know, yeah. or, or just, re- hell, it could be a to-do list, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's writing. Yeah, it? It, well, it, it is. And yeah. I, I love, thank you, Landis. That, yeah. that is just exactly it. I think mm-hmm. um, I, I really wanted people to find tools and strategies for whatever their intention was, whatever they wanted to get out of writing. I, I tried to put as much as I could in here. I have a very detailed chapter on the process of revision, uh, very nitty gritty. And some people will never look at that because that's not a part mm-hmm. of what their, you know, their why of writing. That doesn't really help with what they're wanting for themselves. Let's talk for a minute before the, the mid-roll break here about the when and where of writing. I, I think I was talking to you before we recorded uh, 
about when to write. And I was explaining to you that I started this podcast, had all these ideas I was going to write in my retirement, but all these things I'm learning about <laughs> podcasting, all these tasks I do, and I am writing a lot. I'm doing show notes. I'm doing scheduling. But, you know, finding the time, when and where. So you got this chapter, when. You talk about regularity and irregularity. Speak to that issue. Okay, so I'm going to speak to that issue by actually reading a little section. One of my writing heroes, Naomi Shihab Nye, likes to write early in the morning. When asked about her writing day when she spoke at Chautauqua Institution, she shared her delight at discovering that her writing hero, William Stafford, had this same habit. Nye believes that regularity is critical. I love a quote by David Ignato, a great poet from New York, she told us. Once, when someone questioned him about his everyday 8 a.m. writing habit, he said, well, of course I have to go to my desk at the same time every day because I feel as a writer that all these little ideas and images are gathering in line, waiting to rush into the room when I write. And if I don't go to my desk at a regular time, how do they know when to line up? That's awesome. <laughs> oh, I love that. And and I go on to say that ever since I heard that, I, I picture my writing ideas like kindergartners, all the you know shy, rowdy, dreamy-eyed, and they're lining up for a chance to play in my poems and stories you also talk about you know forming rituals and uh, the fact that you might uh, do certain things before or after you write you know maybe yeah. maybe you get your ideas by walking in the morning or riding your bike or you knock your emails out first or second or whatever but build a little ritual and try to find that find that time to create yeah right? yeah know? and I think the best rituals I think are sensory, and I do not advise anyone to write their emails <laughs> before they write. Yeah. I, I think the best thing to do is to is to either do it really soon after you wake up, before you've you've let yourself think about what you have to do, or give yourself some clearing time. Um, I have a, a one of my writing students goes for long. She swims laps and. And while she's swimming, she's thinking about what she's going to write, and then she goes home and writes. So I think getting yourself back in your body, and you can do that by lighting a candle, by listening to a piece of music, by walking, something mm-hmm. very sensory that mm-hmm. that uh, just gives you that that entrance. And, and habitual things are, are very useful if you're you know if you sit in a certain chair and you know when you get to that chair, that's your writing chair. That can be really powerful for people. All right, we know the value of why to write and regularity in terms of when, but where, okay? <laughs> where to write? You, know, yes. you talk about, well, where have you written before? You know, where would you like to write? Where, where have you never written? Where are you now? You know, <laughs> I had carry, so, carry a notebook. A lot of writers yeah. have told me they carry notebooks, and I've heard that is a good creative process mm-hmm, to carry mm-hmm. a notebook. Uh, so give us some ideas here. Where, where to write? Well, I have in the past sometimes I will give my writing students a contest and I'll say okay your job this week is to uh, you know like like from Star Trek you know write where you have never written before that's what that's from okay. <laughs> where you've never been before right. and um, and I encourage that and I, th- I think that I, when I did this I realized that there were chairs in my house I had never even sat in before and I just find that it's very valuable to discover one big major thing do you write better in your own house or out of your house Mm. Um, because some people really when they're at home they're just too distracted by what they need to do and and going out somewhere else is what they need to get their writing flowing and some people write perfectly well in their homes and 
I again I really believe get curious and, and experiment I'm a big believer in experimenting about all of these things and just trying it and uh, you know back to the when also expanding with what time of day is better for you because you really might not know what time of day is best for you to write so I've, I've given that a lot to students experiment and and just try write in, in three different places this week write at three different times a day see what happens and then mm -hmm. I also think it depends where you are in your project because if you are ordering your book of poems and you you know you're spreading them all out on a table that's very different than if you're generating a new piece of work that kind mm -hmm. of thing yeah, you might pull over on the side of the road and i've, I've, I've done down. that yeah. <laughs> yeah. or you might be comfortable in your own space craig johnson talked about making your writing space your own yeah unique to you you know yes put up the little things around you that help inspire you and Look for those ideas that are lining up to be told, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I heard a wonderful story, and I wish I could remember which writer this was, but a uh, very, uh, very famous uh, person who very successful, and he was uh, he built himself this really wonderful writing studio when his first book took off, and he found he couldn't write it, and he went right back to the kitchen table surrounded by his family <laughs> where he always wrote. So, okay. You know. That's good. Well, you know, locally um, – one of our sponsors, Charlotte McMurray Library at cmlibrary.org, has numerous branches where one can go to write. And uh, Charlotte Lit at charlottelit.org is located on Central Avenue here in Charlotte, close to where we record. And they have a welcoming writing studio for members. And, of course, in your workshops, you write, people write too, right? We do, yeah. we do. And I'm so glad you mentioned the library because I love to write in libraries. And Charlotte Lit as well has such an inviting space and they have this great thing going on um, and I don't know how long they'll be doing it but I know this summer they have this open studio where you can go down there and they have a, I, yeah, I don't they know they call it studio two I think. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it's it's just yeah. amazing and they you know there's there's a writer there who's kind of holding the space and they have a wonderful name for that like sheepdog or something like that 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 person is holding the space so that you if you like to write in community just knowing other people are writing while you're writing that's a wonderful option all right, well, so we're going to take a little break now. When we come back, we're going to touch the senses uh, with uh, Maureen's help. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of, um, you know, how to begin uh, with a writing project. Uh, we've got our writing life segment as well. We're going to finish up with a, a final reading from 10,000 Cicadas. Can't be wrong. No, they can't. So stay with us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listeners, next week we kick off season four with our preview episode. And on that episode, I'm going to be joined by two writers who are connected to Charlotte McMurray Library who wrote an essay and a poem that appeared in Beautiful Truth, A Gathering of Voices from Charlotte, North Carolina, part of Charlotte Litt's 2019 Beautiful Truth Initiative. You'll also hear a story written by me that appeared on a podcast called Six Minute Stories, which is the brainchild of Randall Jones. Randall was on our podcast earlier in the year. He's, a, he's an author himself, and he has uh, some anthologies that he uh, publishes of writers in North Carolina and Kentucky, and he's taken that work, and he's turned it into a podcast. So I've got a story that appears on that. You'll hear him read the story. In addition to the story, the essay, and the poem, uh, we're going to talk about the authors that are coming in Season 4. And we have a great lineup. And I'm excited to say that our sponsors are back for season four, Parkwood Books and Charlotte McMurray Library. 
And for more information about each of these, you can go to parkwaybooks.com and cmlibrary.org, where you can drop by the bookstore or any library branch. Tell them Charlotte Reader's Podcast sent you. Charlotte Reader's Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com. We're back with Maureen Ryan Griffin, author of Spinning Words into Gold, a hands-on guide to the craft of writing. Now, Maureen, while we were having a break here, you and I were stretching and bending and moving around and trying to get our bodies loose again. We were talking about the hyper-focus of <laughs> being, <laughs> from a health standpoint, writers need to get up out of the chair every now and then, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And so what do you do to kind of stay loose and limber? Are you uh, you're a yoga person? Are you a, a walker? What do you do? I am a huge walker. I, I have averaged 10,000 steps a day. That's great. Um, for, the, for the past probably year and a half or two years. I, I don't walk 10,000 steps every day, but I make it up if I don't. And well, um, Speaking of the physical yes. body, speaking of the physical body, speaking of touching the senses, you've got this section of the book, Right With Your Whole Body, and you've got a little reading related to that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, sure. So this particular piece is from the what chapter, and I explore a number of different whats, but this is from a essay called What Are the Secrets of Good Writing? And one of the secrets I talk about is writing with your whole body. Think of the water pump scene near the end of the movie The Miracle Worker, in which Annie Sullivan, played by Anne Bancroft, is trying yet again to reach Helen Keller, played by Patty Duke, a girl rendered blind and deaf by illness at 18 months of age. Annie Sullivan spells letters into Helen Keller's hand as the water flows, W-A-T-E-R. Sullivan is about to be discharged. She has failed to teach Helen in the time allotted her, W-A-T-E-R, W-A-T-E-R. It happens to be a word Helen learned before her illness. The scene is as riveting as an electric shock. Helen freezes, drops the pitcher she is filling. Wah, wah, she groans. A guttural sound from a lost place deep inside. She is frantic, wild with this newfound knowledge that her world can be named and shared. W-A-T-E-R, language enters our bodies through our bodies, cascading into our eyes and ears and noses and mouths, over our skin. This is the greatest secret of good writing. It's how we give ourselves and our readers the gifts of tears, surprise, laughter, and more. It's how we show, don't tell. I began writing using ideas, not words, with my brain, not my senses. And when Irene Honeycutt, in my first class with her, showed me the importance of writing straight from my body, it was at least a bit like that water pump moment of Helen Keller's. There was a whole world that had been escaping my notice, like the sound of a single oak leaf skittering across a sidewalk, and the shining drops of rain at the end of each pine needle after a storm. Now the ears of my ears awake, and now the eyes of my eyes are opened, as E. Cummings put it. What we need to do in order to give our readers experiences that are truer than if they really happened, as Hemingway puts it, is to stock our writing with images so they can see, hear, smell, taste, and touch our words. So does that what it means 
to write straight from your body, to take the senses that your body experiences on a daily basis and try to convey those to the reader? Yeah, to, br- to bring a world alive. And when you're writing about something that happened in the past, to put yourself there. Um, one of the, the tools I talk about in the, in the How to Begin chapter is actually uh, something I call a tesser from a book by Madeline Lingo called A Wrinkle in Time, where you close your eyes and you imagine yourself back to the pla- place and time you're writing about and, and go through all of your senses. Yeah, and that's, that's a good transition to a little bit of how and how to begin. You've got a chapter uh, that offers a number of methods beginning on, I think, page 121 of the book, a uh, number of methods to kind of get writers started okay and uh just talk talk about let's talk about a list of four or five of these and then i'm gonna have you drill down into one of them here but give us a couple of examples of some of these that these ideas to get started okay great and i'm going to start off with a couple words from maxwell perkins just get it down on paper, and then we'll see what to do with oh, it. Oh, I see. <laughs> because I love, then, that. Then, I love that quote. Then we'll call the editor. Right? Yeah, then we'll call. Well, then we'll bring out our own editor, perhaps, because right. uh, uh, revision is such a different energy than, than the creative process. So so uh, one of my favorite ways to begin writing is just the list. Oh, my gosh. Uh, sometimes I will, when I, I know that I want to write about something, I'll just start getting images and words come at me, or I'm if I'm... Uh, for example, in the book that I'm working on now about my mother that I've gone back to, how she fed us, I will just make a list of different moments that I remember being with my mother, and that list will get me going. And and often, you know, when making that list, and I start a lot of my students off with, let's make a list of of first times. Think about the first time you did something. Make a list of first times that you Mm. remember, Uh, whether it's meeting a particular person or seeing a place or any kind of experience. I remember the first time I ever heard the Beatles, for example. Mm -hmm. That was our first time. Um, And and then you can take the most evocative, interesting one off that list and, and then write about it. And um, then the sprawl, which is my terminology for some kind of mind map. Um, people call, you that call it. You call it the sprawl. The sprawl, yeah. uh, and it, it's really the people, writer's not sprawled out. This is well, the, the writer can be sprawled out. Okay. Actually, it's a great yeah. thing to do on the floor. Actually, you can okay. sprawl out and make a sprawl. Okay. So sprawl um, out and sprawl in your. Yeah, writing. there you go. And and a sprawl is where you know you want to write about something, whatever your topic is. And an example I give in the book is. Uh, my son, my baby, was getting ready to get his driver's license, and he was going to drive off in a car by himself. And and I, speaking of first times, that was that was a first time. Mm-hmm. I it, that I got the idea from making a list of first times, and and so I put Dan's first time driving in the middle of a piece of paper, and then I just all the way around the paper, I just wrote down images, words, phrases, little scraps of dialogue. Uh, anything I could think of that might have to do with that topic and it's it's a way to just sort of gather yourself and it and I love it as opposed to the list the list is wonderful too but but this is a very non-linear way to approach the writing so that's that's been very useful and I can take a sprawl and look at it after I'm done and maybe I'll keep adding to it but I'll look at it and go where can I start I do this a lot when I write essays mm-hmm. you know what, what what can I start with Right. Oh, that'd be a great starting spot. What could I end with? Maybe an issue, and then you take the yeah. issue and you. Yeah. Well, or even sometimes it's an image like that. That image. that essay about, I wrote about my son. It started with an image of of his '93 Ford Taurus, and and when he was driving for the first time, it was old then. Mm. <laughs> you know, and, and he had been 
polishing it with all this paste wax and, and you know this very old card. It was sitting in the driveway waiting for him to drive. So, so. what is this leapfrog? That's where you just take a, a piece of writing by someone else and read it and just read it. I actually have this thing I love to do, which is just generating the belief that in any piece of writing, there's there's a a gem for you. There's there's a gift for you that will that is exactly what you need to write about, exactly what you need to write about. I mean, I made that belief up, but hey, why not? Mm-hmm. No. And so I will I will tell people, okay, listen, you know, get your pencil out, and and I, I think it's good to listen and read when you're when you're doing a leapfrog, and and just underline or put a star next to some interesting words or images or some idea and see what it may trigger in you and and then start with that and and so you're leaping off uh someone else when i was describing this said oh kind of like a launching pad Mm. you know you use that that person's writing as an inspiration to get you started what about the inquiry Okay, so you've heard me talk about be curious, be curious. Right. I keep I keep hitting on that. So that is starting with questions, and I find it really useful when when you are beginning a project to just sit down and give yourself a good thirty minutes and just be with what can I possibly be curious about? Because usually the first thing that shows up for people when I, when I suggest this is, well, I don't even know what questions to ask. Exactly, you don't, because you have this big muddle in your brain of not knowing where to go next. But if you, if you take that muddle and you start thinking of these questions, who, what, where, when, why, how, and it, what might come out is who might be able to help me with this? Uh, where could I find information about uh, Betty Crocker, speaking of my, mm-hmm. the book I'm writing for my mother, just just using it as a as an entry point into writing. All right, but you've told me your favorite one is the sprint. Yes, right? that will <laughs> always be my favorite. All right, and you got a little section in page 123 that kind of speaks to that. Yes, and and I I'm gonna have to evoke William Faulkner here who said get it down take chances it may be bad but it's the only way you can do anything really good just get it it down get it down right and so I'll read I'll read you my experience with this Irene Honeycutt my teacher mentor and friend introduced me to this technique in a journal class I took with her in 1989 it changed my life and I don't say that lightly the text for the class was Natalie Goldberg's writing down the bones freeing the writer within At the time, I had no idea that you could let words pour out of you any which way with no regard for order, grammar, or even logic. Goldberg calls this approach writing practice, and she lists six rules. My favorite is lose control. Her book turned me into a virtual writing machine. I spent a rather delirious two months pulling off into convenience store parking lots to capture a lyrical phrase, waking up at 2 a.m. to scribble down dream images, watching words tumble out and trip over themselves to please me. It was wonderful. That's uh, almost sort of encouraging stream of consciousness. Get it, just get paper or your computer or whatever you're using and start writing yes yeah. yes and mm-hmm. and i think often you're better off on paper because there's nothing blinking at you and underlining words <laughs> yeah, while but you're I, going but i can't but read my own yeah. handwriting no i know so, i know yeah yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but I, I i've really been been thinking about this and and 
you know, one of the things I, I tell people whenever I lead a workshop, we, I always introduce them to the sprint. And, and some of them are familiar with it already. And some there's always some people who aren't. And, and I, I, I have a particular approach. So the first thing I do is I pour some language into them. I read them a short passage or a poem because I think it, it stimulates their, their uh, neural pathways. Their language center is, is lighting up when they hear language. Um, and I tell them this is going to maybe have nothing to do with what you're going to write, although it could. But I just want to pour some language into you. like It's like priming a pump. And then I give them a home phrase or a home word like, I remember or the last time and and then I tell them ahead of time after I've read this piece I'm gonna I'm setting the timer for maybe say seven minutes and you are going to keep your hand continuously moving during that time and if your brain falls out and you don't have anything to say then just repeat I remember I remember I remember and, and until something else it sounds comes. like I promise not to again I promise not to again I promise. you know it, it, they're in that one little let's spot get, let's go to the yeah, chalkboard I know, right, writing, writing sentences yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, and sometimes people fall back on that and, and yeah. they often don't need to but but I, I think what it gives you, uh, the, the gifts it gives you, one is that you're, you're probably going to, I know I do, I have a lot of stuff that is just unusable. You know, it is just schlocky, you know, I don't know what to write. Uh, I do make grocery lists sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, that doesn't happen as often. That's why I direct it with that phrase. But, but some of it I'm just going to throw out. It's not going to be any good. Mm-hmm. But I find for my poems, I will often have these, wilder, freer, more original, more interesting things that would never have come out of me using my regular writing process of sort of mulling it over and letting the words come out, you know, in, in pretty linear order. And the and I think it's a great way to find your own natural writer's voice. The other thing I think it really develops over time is is just really it develops your writing muscle. Like it, it, it develops your ability to get words from your brain onto a page more naturally, more quickly. And if you've ever had the experience, and I think almost everyone has, of having this beautiful idea and it starts to come, oh, that's so good. And then you go to write it out and it's lost. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I've never, oh. I've never really thought about it as a writing muscle. But she, I guess uh, if you're training to keep your body in shape, if you're going to train as a writer, you should try to keep your writing muscle in yeah, shape. I yeah, I think. And, and it's it just allows... It just strengthens those pathways between your brain and your hand or hands so that when something wonderful comes, your body is just trained to get what's going through your mind down, you know, without a lot of junk, without worrying how it sounds, without worrying about whether you're spelling it right. It lets the creative process be the creative process, and then you can go back if you need to and clean up grammar. And I don't write like this all the time, but it's it's a wonderful starting point. Well, let's do this. You, you're kind of leading into it here. Uh, this, we'll do a little quick writing life segment with Maureen here. Tell us about the who of Maureen as a writer. What makes up your who? Has it changed over time? What drives you? Mm. Well, I, it started, I don't remember learning how to read. I have always loved books. I just devoured them. My mother literally had to hide my library books from me. So I would do anything but read. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not kidding. She was very worried about me. Like, now now like, they've got to hide the video games. I yeah, know. Yeah, I, well, yeah. They, yeah, actually, you're right. You're right. That yeah. was that was my my video game. And and so I would I, say books are better. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think so. I yeah. think so. For but, development. 
yeah. I believe that very fervently. Yes, I do. I think I think reading is is very good for us, and and so I I started writing poems when I was nine years old and. I have have always loved to write, and it was it was really more for my own self expression. I was a journalism major for one semester in college, mm. and I realized that people were going to tell me what to write, and I didn't want that. I wanted to write what I wanted to write, so I I I didn't pursue that, and and um, so that's that's the who of me is just someone who just loves language, and and I I really just I I don't. I would love to be a really fine writer, and and like most of us, I think sometimes I look at my own writing and I'm not very satisfied with it. That's hence how good can I get? You know? but, that, but that's the wrong question. But right? that's the wrong question, right? <laughs> so, but 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 this idea of just being able to be a writer is what excites me. Just being among right. my writing buddies, so that's important. And and I write for, as I said earlier, for for, for I find it very fulfilling. I find it connects me to. Uh, other people and to the best parts of myself and um, I guess I should I should throw it so that's my why <laughs> I think we know your why yeah, 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 yeah I got that so what about your when well I I have to confess that that running a business is not very good for my writing life I, I, my, a lot of my creative energy does go into supporting writers and I love doing that as well and uh, I, I will tell you that my, my most recent when and where is that my daughter, who lives 15 minutes away from me, took her family of three small children and her husband. They went to the beach, and I went over to her house with my writing stuff, and I gave myself a writing retreat, a two-day you know, overnight writing retreat, and I wrote like a maniac, and it was amazing and wonderful. So mm -hmm. that, that really worked for me. You just have to carve out the time, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think it's so important, and I have been very guilty of not doing this over the past several years. Um, but but do, do what I doing, say. Do what I say, not what I yeah, do. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I, I think you know I think you really do putting it first, like mm -hmm. putting your writing first, because what happens to me is I say Friday was going to be my writing day for a lot of years, and Friday, well, yeah, as soon as I finish this up, and oh, I I need to, you know email these people about they they asked me about this thing and so I I am very excited because I am I am when I come back from my travels and I start my new year Monday is going to be my writing day before I do my work yeah I've heard that right some writers say you've got to be a little selfish and guard your writing time yeah e even if it interferes with other things or other people's goals as well if you're going to I, I think that's very true. And yeah. for me, I, I love so many people. I have a, an enormous family and many friends and many, uh, you know, people in the writing community that I just love. And then Is your family supportive of your writing efforts? Oh, absolutely. My husband is amazingly he from the very beginning he's been amazingly supportive well, so if he's listening then yeah, yeah. 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 well no i mean <laughs> yeah, i i've yeah. talked about that at great yeah. length i talk yeah. about it in the book in fact spinning words into gold so a uh, final question here your writing life story includes more than just writing you've taken upon yourself to help others with their writing when did you feel that calling and why do you do it mm. So it was in that same journal writing class that I mentioned when I fell in love with with sprinting with Irene Honeycutt. I I literally felt my heart leap in my body. Uh, just I I thought you could do this. You could read people writing and you could write together and then you could read it and then you could make something out of it. I just it just 
I've never wanted anything more than than that in that moment when I felt that and and I get immense satisfaction out of out of supporting writers I I um, early in my writing life I went through a book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron Recovering Your Creativity mm. and she has this beautiful sentence in there we are meant to midwife dreams for one another and I believe that so fervently and one of the things about so many of the people that I've worked with is that their works have come out of life experiences that have been sometimes very painful there's been a lot of healing there's been a lot of people who have made important life decisions to alter their lives because they've been writing to do things mm -hmm. to take on things that they they've always wanted to do so I've I love the transformational aspect of, of supporting people's writing. And I love for people to have their dreams come true. I, I truly do love that. It, it makes me very happy. It's kind of like, um, you know, with this podcast I'm doing, I feel a little bit the same way in terms of supporting authors because authors, you know, getting out and talking to large groups may not be their thing, but we sit down and have a conversation one-on-one -on -one and then we go out, and a lot of people can hear it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's yeah. wonderful. And, and yeah. it's uh, but it, it's really nice to sit down and, and kind of get to the heart of what's important to the writers, and they can talk about it without having to feel like they're on stage necessarily. Yeah. And yet, in fact, they are because their work's getting out there. So, yeah, I'm with you. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, this is such a, a generous thing to do. I yeah. I can't tell you how how much I. I appreciate that you are, are doing this. And I'm saying that as a reader and as a writer. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. But like, like what you go through, I think I, I, get, I get back from it as well. Yeah. Because yeah. I meet very interesting people. I read books I might not have read before. I come, hell, I'm even learning to like poetry. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so there you go. Uh, and speaking of poetry, let, let's transition into your last uh, – I'm here for today. Okay? Oh, that was so smooth, <laughs> Landis. <laughs> All, right. All right. And uh, so I'm going to read this poem, and I, I uh, just want to say um, that back to the writing project I'm working on now, the, how, how She Fed Us, which I am uh, went from being a family cookbook, now I'm calling it a cookbook memoir, Reflections on the Recipes of a Perfectly Imperfect Mother. And, and back to Irene, I'm speaking so much about her, but she has just been so instrumental in my writing life and uh, my mother struggled with some mental illnesses and I, I really had two mothers um, I had this this mother who uh, did some some pretty hurtful things and then this other mother who was was just lovely and wonderful and I, when I started writing poetry I wrote all the hard ones all the hard things and one time Irene actually said to me um, surely you must have one happy memory of your mother. <laughs> Write that one. Write that one. I think she was just tired of me, you know, all these darkly intense, uh, painful poems. And and I realized that I had so many happy memories, and this is one of them. That's great. It's called For Mother, As I Sort Through This Box of Clothes You Save for a Granddaughter. I remember sitting in the tub, you washing my hair, a halo around your head where light met the steam. I was telling you how much I loved being eight, that I wanted to be eight forever. And then I was nine and so happy to be nine, I wanted that age to last forever too. Then 10, the years clicking by like Hail Marys on your rosary beads till I would want nothing more than to leave you. 
But that year, my eighth, you bought me this striped pink and white dress with a whale applique on it. I remember wanting to cry when I tried it on the next summer and it no longer fit. Though I didn't say a word, you came home one day carrying an identical dress in the next larger size, proving something about love I've never found words to thank you for. And that is nice. <laughs> yeah, it was it was yeah. a, a wonderful memory to uh, to uh, resurrect. Yeah. Well, your years were clicking by like Hail Mary. Our minutes have been clicking by. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah. well, and we're about to to the end of this show. And uh, before we before we sign off today, um, just tell us a little bit about where we can you know get on your email list and learn more about uh, you know these writing classes that you offer yeah thank you so i have a website it's wordplaynow.com wordplay.com was taken but i thought i like the now being in there let's do it now wordplaynow.com and um and you can sign up for my my uh, what I call the word zine. I feature writers. I've actually uh, featured just this past week, Catherine Schwilly, who Good. you had on, yeah, the, we the, her on the show. Yeah. She was on the yeah. show. I loved her show. I love Catherine. So that was a lot of fun to do. And there's a there's a bookshelf where you put in your name and email, and then you click, yeah, I really want to get these, and, and you can get that. And, and, and how um, often does the email come out? Well, funny you should ask that because I've been doing it every Monday, and I started in 2012, and I, I think I've only missed maybe two times. I, wow. I've really been very faithful to it, and I realize that a lot of my writing energy goes into writing those. So starting in September, I am going to put it out uh Every other Monday, uh, and in between, I'm gonna I'm gonna send out a little report of how my book is going because I'm determined Good. to finish my book. There so. you go. So you're carving out that time. I'm yeah. carving out that time. Yeah, yeah. 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 And when you sign up for your email list, you also get a little something called the seven steps to a writing process. Is well, it's it? actually seven dreams to a writing oh, a dream it. fulfilled, but, but it does have a lot of processes in it. You're okay, exactly right, right Landis. Okay, it does. Okay. Right. Yes. Yeah, so it's a template for if you have a writing project that you truly want to get done, then this is how to do it. These are, these are the seven steps and, and they truly work. And I, I pulled them from what I actually did to get the family cookbook done uh, when I needed to get it done, and it worked beautifully. And I used the same process for writing Spending Words into Gold as well. Mm. So I thought, so, why don't I give people that? So listeners who might be those who are still waiting around to write that first piece, they can get on your email list for free, get access to this information yeah. for free, and then if they decide they might want to take a course, they can check with you on that as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, Maureen, it's been uh, a lot of fun today uh, talking with you about writing. Well, uh, me too. And can I give one more? I want to give one more shout out. Sure, absolutely. Um, I want to give a shout out to to M. Scott Douglas of Main Street Rag, who published um, both of these books, that Spinning Words into Gold and 10,000 Cicadas Can't Be Wrong. If you're interested in, in checking out these books and perhaps purchasing them, then you can find them at MainStreetRag.com in the bookshelf. These books are also available on my website, but I would love all of you listeners to go and buy them from Scott. He's just been so supportive of me and so many writers like you, Landis. Sure. Is, is this book in the library as well? Um, yes, yes. Absolutely. Good, good. And probably can get it through Parker Books too, I'm sure. They yeah. can order anything. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, they can. I, and I'm a big believer yeah. in supporting local bookstores there and we go. are so lucky to have Parker Books. Yes. Yeah. Well, thanks, Maureen. Yeah. Thank you, Landis. It's been, been wonderful to be with you. Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to their written words. 
If you liked our show, please tell your friends and please leave a review on Apple Podcast. Reviews are like the gasoline that drive traffic to the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast, which is free, on Apple Podcast or wherever you like to get your podcast. Our social media links, if you're into that sort of thing, are at our website, charlottereadpodcast.com. If you have feedback or an idea for an author to be on the show, you can email us at our contact page on the website. And authors are welcome to submit to be on the show on the author page. If you sign up for our email list at our website, thank you for that, we will give you a free ebook, a work of fiction written by your host. And by the way, if you do sign up for our email list, we promise not to spam you. That takes way too much time. We'll just send you periodic updates about the show. Please don't forget our sponsors, Park Road Books and Charlotte Mecklenburg Library. Links to our fine sponsors and the resources are on the webpage and in the show notes. You can find out more about us and our sister shows at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Until next week, I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast. <laughs>